From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour. Indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. And let's hope that uh, you're all glad with the uh, beautiful weather we've been having here in the Diocese of Sacramento. Some some people frown and say, "Oh, it's too hot." Well, I love <laughs> I like I love the warm evenings. I think they're they're delightful. Anyway, uh, no matter what, hopefully your air conditioning works. And uh, of course, uh, there are many parts of this diocese, like up in the in the Sierra Nevada, where it's even more spectacular this time of year. So wherever you are, I appreciate you joining us. And speaking of people up in the Sierra foothills. Uh, Jennifer Campbell joins us now from Camp Pendola. Jennifer, good day to you. Hi, how are you, Bob? Good. We have a very good connection today. We do. Are you really hiding out somewhere down here in uh, in the valley? No, I'm really <laughs> up at camp. I'm still here. Uh, is camp about to to wrap it up? It is. So we we are finished with our last week at campers. We finished that on Friday, and we are now in our cleanup week, getting it camp winterized and. For the off season. So what what constitutes winterizing a camp? What do you what do you have to do? Um, basically, just clean everything, inventory everything, and then make sure that everything is put away, um, especially the things that can be damaged by the elements mm-hmm. <laughs> out there, um, and uh, just make sure everything is put away in that regard, so that um, it stays safe for next year. So. Uh, are the when, when when all human beings leave, do the critters take over? Do, do you come back and there's a, a family of raccoons living in the in the chapel or something? Oh no, no. It's I mean, well, first off, locked up. But um, second of all, <laughs> um, we we do make sure that that it's all taken care of so that they're not jumping in there. Um, you know, occasionally some some church mice tend to try to move in, but um, we have found ways to. Make it less appealing for them. What would, what would we do without a church mouse? You I know, don't know, there's got to be a church mouse somewhere. Somewhere, they're adorable. <laughs> they are, sort of. <laughs> and they and they go to church. Right. I mean, exactly. you know. So, so, but you do have like a caretaker in the winter. Um, we are in the process of getting one. Yes. Mm-hmm. But we don't. We have not for the last couple of years now. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I was re- I know you're you're at a much lower elevation, but I was just reading about uh, how they just got Tioga Pass uh, open, uh, Yosemite, you know, the road that goes almost to 10,000 feet. Yeah. But it takes you to Tuolumne Meadows Campground, which is, I guess, about 8,000 or something. And they finally got through all the snow just to get the road open. Yeah. And w- but what they discovered was that so many of the structures, that, like the camp store and the housing for employees and stuff, was just destroyed by by the weight of the snow and yeah. ice. So presumably in the winter you don't quite face that, but you but you, you the elements can certainly take their toll, can't they? Yeah, I mean we don't we don't necessarily face that, but we you know we do. Um, this last year we did um, lose one of our buildings to a tree, so. <laughs> um, you know, we do face those elements and, and do our best to mitigate that um, to get ready. So, so the the camp started what sixty two or three years ago? Um, yeah, sixty three years ago. Have you seen photos from back then? I have. It looks diff- very different. So, what would what would what what was it like sixty three years ago? Well, I mean, I wasn't alive then. So. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I mean, we if when it first started, I guess um, I was talking to somebody this week, and it was only boys, so... Oh, is that right? Um, yeah, and instead of having cabins like we do, that and we have open-air cabins, but they didn't have cabins. They actually used, um, like, t- tent platforms uh-huh. um, with the campers. Sure. And um, there was an order of sisters that ran some of the activities, and um, there was the priest that started started it, um, Father Keith Kenny. He was here. Oh, wow. All the time. Like, yeah, he was the first director. Very well-known priest in this diocese. Yeah. I mean, his, uh, I read his bio a few years ago. I was very, it was very exciting. So yeah. He has so he, he was one of the sort of the instigators of the camp, if you will? Yeah. I, I, I don't know the whole story, um, but, yeah, he, he was one of, the, one of the priests that was working with um, Dolores Pendola 
um, after her husband passed away mm-hmm. when she wanted to donate um, this, this land and start the camp. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. So, so would he have would maybe been a priest in that area at the time? It's possible, but... I have to go back and look I'd at all I have to go back yeah. and look. Um, I know yeah. he's very well known throughout the diocese. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Boy, yeah. That's, that's interesting. So, so when did it start to have, uh, you know, physical structures? Um, it had some already, because when the, the land was chosen, it was chosen because it had some buildings. Uh-huh. Um, so... Um, we we started when they started the camp like when they brought bishop i believe it was bishop bell out here like he picked this land that mm-hmm. you know of his like three choices or whatever it was because it had structures on it so it had so uh, the pandolas had other land, uh, you know other places it could have been mm-hmm. yeah they had a lot of property up in this area right um they still do some of the family members still do um but they they chose this area um, because of the structures it used to be i believe it was a like my log logging camp. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like kind of the buildings that were there were that style and, and a few little cabins. Um, and the cabins that we used for the campers, um, I think those kind of got built in in the 70s. So. Uh-huh. so are there any original structures still there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Chief Seattle dorm, which is where the male staff stay, um, that is one of the original structures. Um, the cabin the priests were staying in this summer was one of the original structures. The office I'm sitting in is one of the original wow. structures. And um, there's one house, I'm not sure. There's another house that I'm, I'm just not sure. And I think, I believe the chapel was built like around 1980, 81. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Wow. So in, in this, this summer you had... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. A priest in residence the entire time. We had, except for one, except for one week. So three of the four weeks we did. We had priests here um, as chaplains, um, and they were here. Sometimes they had to leave early, or you know, they had to go down to a meeting at the pastoral center mm-hmm. um, and have to leave. But yeah, we had um, Father uh, Father Dean for the first week. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Father. We had both Father Eric's, um, Father Eric Patrick, the new. The n- newly ordained. Yes. The, yes. New, the newly father. Yes. Um, he was. He just. He said mass for us one of the weeks, but was unable to stay for the week as chaplain. Um, father Eric Pereira from um, Yuba City. Mm-hmm. He was here for a week, and then we finished off with Father Ryan Mahar. Wow. Nice landing. Yeah. So it was. It was nice to have um, a variety of priests. Um, and priests that, that really understand what we're doing up here and the, the importance of connecting kids to the natural world um, around them. So. Well, those four are, are a real good choice. They were great. Yeah. Um, you know, I have some that I'm closer to than others, of course, but, <laughs> yeah, no, they were, they were a great fit for the, for the weeks. that they, And they really fit in with the weeks they were here. It kind of made sense the weeks they came. So. Were you able to do... Other things curriculum-wise because of their presence? Um, Yes and no. I mean, we were, I think kind of the more important piece for us was that, um, especially like toward the end of the summer, having a priest here who's just here to kind of talk to staff that are, you know, we're getting tired toward the end of summer and to have somebody who's here to just talk to everybody. Um, And I can say that Father Ryan made an effort to, to take private time with every staff member mm-hmm. um, wow. to reassure them and then would talk with the kids and like hung out with uh, you know hung out on the bleachers when the kids were out there and, and really made that that effort to do so um, and so that's something that you know as much as I'd love to be able to do as a director there's just too many things happening in my head and outside of my head <laughs> that need to get done um, to be able to, to really just spend that like one-on-one time with people where they they can do that right you know, I'm I'm going to predict that uh, a few years from now, there's there's going to be a few vocations where the the candidate, <laughs> uh, for want of a better word, says, oh, "Well, I first really thought about it at Camp Pandola." <laughs> you know, I would. I mean, that's that's the goal, right? Like yeah. we we want to talk about vocations, having priests up here for all of the weeks, and. Um, 
really does help kind of feed that um, mm-hmm. because you know they can see what that life what they can see what a, per, a priest who's a priest looks. Yeah, maybe maybe, like maybe a, a, a second grader right now think a priest just uh, is at camp all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, as opposed to them thinking they just live on the altar, right? Like, yeah, no, that's exactly that's, that's exactly that, right. Like, well-rounded person. That you're, it's you're one of the reasons they they have the basketball game every exactly. year. You know, is let let people see that we're we're, we're dealing dealing with quote unquote normal people. You know, I right. mean they they. Uh, uh, are are very w- well rounded and uh, um, have a you know a lot of different talents and interests uh, like like all of us do you know and uh, exactly um, uh, although they are obviously first and foremost priests and have have really dedicated their 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 life to it in a, in a way that many people don't dedicate to their uh, profession or their occupation but the the priest is really it's a twenty four seven twelve months out of the year. Uh, uh, but not a job, uh, a, a vocation. Well, it's a vocation, like the yeah, vocation to marriage. Exactly. Like you don't take off your marriage hat because you walk into your job, right? Exactly. Like it's, a, it's it's a life. It's your life, and so for kids to really understand that it's not a job, it's a life, right? right. <laughs> like it's your life. Um, I think it's so important. And seeing them up, seeing priests up here at camp helps kids to see that. Kids who wouldn't ordinar- ordinarily see that. Yeah. I mean. There, I mean, a lot of our, yes, a lot of our campers go to Catholic schools, but not all of them do. Um, sure. And so they don't get to see priests, you know, outside of just Mass on Sunday, maybe. Right. And that's a maybe, right? And that's a maybe, yeah. yeah. No, that's that's really wonderful stuff. I think that that's, that's hopefully you'll be able to, to continue that. I mean, this is the most presence you've had, right, this year? Um, 2019, we did pretty well, but this mm-hmm. year, yeah, definitely... Um, was and last year we were able to fill all the weeks as well. I I don't remember honestly. That was 2022. That seems like 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's nice to be able to have priests and, and different personalities and and things like that is is also really helpful too. So do you think uh, in terms of numbers you're going to get back to where you were? You think COVID is finally completely in the rearview mirror? You know, I I mean I can't predict the future, but. Um, I don't know if it is, actually. I think, you know, we had a bump in numbers last year, and we mm-hmm. were full with waiting lists, and, and that was not the case this year. Um, and so, I don't know. I think there are people that are still cautious. I think there are there are people that, you know, went a couple of years without sending kids to summer camp, and they're like, well, we found other things to do. And mm-hmm. so it's how do we reach out to new families. Um, we also noticed that our campers tend to be younger this, this last couple of years. Uh-huh. So it's you know, we just have to build up. So for our, like, teen programming, we just have to build it back up again because the kids that were in it or were about to be in it, right, in 2019, they're now either out of high school or, like, juniors and seniors. And, right. You know, maybe not interested in going on a canoe trip with seventh graders. <laughs> yeah. What what percent of, maybe maybe you know this, maybe you don't, of, of say, the, the current campers are, are repeat? Um, you yeah, know, I... I didn't pull that data yet. Um, I'm still doing all my kind of debrief from camp stuff. Um, it, I can say that, like, our, we, our third week of camp, the majority of the campers were returners. Uh-huh. But other weeks, it, it just varied. So we didn't have a lot of returners girls' week, but we had a lot of returners that third week, and we had a good number of returners week, like, Less than, but less than half, maybe the first week, I think, and um, last week, definitely less than half were returners. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you sit down with your staff and crew and all that, uh, your counselors, and say, okay, what do we do right? What do we do wrong? We do try to do that. Yeah, we'll um, we'll work on that in the next coming weeks, sending out some surveys to the staff and, and seeing what we can what we can do for next year and what we need to change, um, as well as sending out surveys to parents what they'd like to see us do in the future. So are there are there other yeah, do, do do all you uh camp directors share information and say hey we we hit on a new thing this year and it was really successful or we tried this and it fell on its face? Yeah, I mean there's definitely those groups. Um there used to be a very active Facebook group but it's not any it no longer exists I don't think. Um <laughs> 
but there are, like, there's conferences, and um, I'm part of the religious affiliated camps camping group um, for the American Camping Association, and so I'm actually one of the, the leads for that. Mm-hmm. And so we meet every three or four months um, and just talk about, like, a topic that we are, you know, dealing with in our camps, um, especially faith-based camps. We have a, and it's, and it's faith, it's all faith traditions, but we all have kind of a similar, we have similar situations and things that we're trying to deal with and walk with, and so, yeah, we definitely discuss that. Are, are most faiths, uh, at least uh, the ones we, we know of regularly, uh, did, uh, sponsor camps? Yeah, I would say almost every faith background sponsors some sort of camps. I mean, like if you think about, like Jewish camps are very, very popular and a very large uh, grouping. Mm-hmm. Um, other Christian denominations have also camping. Um, the Episcopal Church does. Church of Canada has a very large group. <laughs> the what? The Church of Canada. Really? Yeah, there's some speakers that I've heard that they're from, like, yeah, whatever that. Is that, like, Episcopal Church? I think so, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so other faith traditions definitely have camping as part of their, their faith tradition. And, you know, it's, it's awesome to see all these different kind of groups come together with very similar um, situations happening in their camps. Yeah. Yeah. So, was there was there anything that happened at camp this year that surprised you, or you know, something unexpected? Was there, were there any grizzly bears? No, there weren't. <laughs> Do you ever see bears there? Yeah, occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, campers saw bears this year on their overnight, but um, they scared them away. So just kind of said hi, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. G- generally, uh, other than grizzlies. Um, right. I mean, bears. Bears can be dangerous, but they're not. They're. They're. Mm-hmm. They don't generally attack. No, they don't. They're like, oh, you're here. We're gonna go. Yeah. Peace out. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what happened. But no, I mean, nothing. Nothing overly surprising. Um, kids telling me the pond was warm in parts of it. That was surprising to me. But mm. I also don't believe them. Um, it's cold. <laughs> um, that kind of that that was definitely something that was happening this summer. Um, yeah, we had campers. Really, you know, especially some of our older campers, they just they want to know like everything that you remember about them from the year before, and and so that was trying to rack my brain for a story about every a lot of different campers was was a challenge, but it was super fun and helping them make keep those memories alive for camp for the future too was great. Wow, so. When, when you when you look back on this camp and as you, uh, I presume you're already starting to plan next year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Deacon Kevin and I really started talking about it like in the middle of week one, so we're starting already. Do you do you try to I don't know freshen it, change it uh, every year? Yeah, definitely try to add some new things. Think of like what's the thing that we can add. Um, and not, you know, take away from the, the camp experience. Um, every group of staff, like, leads things differently, and so we um, we have to figure out from, from the group of staff that we have that we get at the, in June what, what activities are going to be popular. And, you know, this year we, we haven't, since I started at least, we haven't done candle making, and this year the staff really were into it, and so we did a lot of candle making, dip candles, and, with our older campers, and they, you know, they really enjoyed it, so. <laughs> I don't think I've ever participated. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have. It's not, a, it's not, candle making is not a gift that I have. you got to really pay attention to the temperature of the candles, otherwise you get. How do you make candles? Um, you melt paraffin wax. Yeah. And then you can add, we use old crayons to make the different colors. Uh-huh. Um, so it's a way to recycle things, and and you either pour it, the staff would pour it into jars. Um, and it's and really hot, right? It's very hot, and yeah. if you so they can they can change the color of the wax by adding different colored crayons. So like kids were making like layered candles, and for the poor ones, and then the dipped ones, same idea. Um, you just take a, um, a oh, I can't think of the word right now. <laughs> like string in the candle. The um, wick. The wick, thank you. Yes. They just take the wicks and dip them in the different colors and then in water 
to set the, the wax, and they were making, you know, just dipped candles that are, like, multicolored. So as they burn, they'll show the different colors, which will be pretty cool. Wow. So where, where, when do you put the wick in? Um, if you're do both of them from the beginning. It has to be in there from the beginning. I just have this feeling I would burn myself. Yeah, it, I mean, it's possible. But we do a lot of safety and go over the safety rules with the kids, and um, they were all good. Oh, I'm sure. I'm, sh I'm sure they were all good. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the staff were good too. <laughs> so, every, everybody, uh, for the most part, stayed healthy too. Um, for the most part, um, we, we, I mean, you know, it, it was a weird summer in that it was freezing cold the first week. Mm -hmm. It rained most of staff training, and then week four, our last week, was hotter than anything I've experienced up yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, that was a brutal week. It was hot and so you know we just we reminded the kids to stay hydrated and did a really good job of that and um so i think we we spent a lot of time reminding kids to drink water this summer more so than in the past especially mm -hmm. that hot week yeah that that's uh that that week was that that was <laughs> that was tough everywhere parts of the country it's still happening yeah i mean it's it was just it was crazy because it was so cold at the beginning of summer that like I just never thought it would get warm. Yeah, again. We, we didn't have a hundred degree day till the final day of June. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it was like they're talking about this heat dome. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good way to describe it. I don't get much news up here, so I hadn't heard that, but that is that is exactly how it felt. <laughs> yeah, and and as a result, you're not. I mean, I know it gets cooler up there at night, but you're not really getting that nice no. chill at night. No, we you know usually get down to the sixties and low seventies and. It was staying in the 80s, wow. even overnight. So, and I'm going to presume you don't have air conditioning. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's not camping if you have air conditioning. No, just fans. So we're able to cool off that way and do our best. But wow! So uh, you ended up with enough counselor, counselors, and cooks and everything else. Uh, just enough. Um, it would be. I think for next year we really do need to hire more. Um, just so that we have some wiggle room and some space to breathe with staffing-wise. But we'll, we'll tackle that come December when we'll start hiring again for next year um, and go from there. Very good. Very good. So what's next for you personally? Um, I'm going to take a few weeks off. In the first I was going to say, <laughs> you get to take some – I mean, you're, you're there 24-7. Mm, I'm a – yeah, I do take. I, we always get um, Saturdays off now, so uh -huh. I do take that day. But um, yeah, basically, it's a it's it's a lot. So yeah, I'm gonna take a couple weeks off and then jump right back into on fire and ministry days and get yeah, ready September's, for fired up. <laughs> September's a big uh, big month, isn't it? It's huge. So um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm not able to do family camp this year because we just don't have the staff. Most of my staff go. To that was the usually Labor Day weekend. Yeah, and my staff are. Most of them this summer are from schools that start in August, and so. Yeah, so many schools now start in August. It's, yeah. it's mostly just some of the UCs start late yeah. September, but yeah. most of them start. I know Sac State starts on, uh, I think, the 28th of August. Yeah, so we're just unable to do that. So that, that does free up that weekend for me, so yay. Um, but <laughs> we've got, you know, on fire um, that, third, that third Saturday in September, so on the 16th and then the following weekend is um, minister days right um and then and then you know november we've got it's our first fired up so hit the ground running <laughs> indeed so how, how long does it take uh cleanup um we will be done by thursday i think we're, we're winding down this week um but we'll be yeah it just takes us a little like a little less than a week to do the cleanup stuff and and then we end with a, a banquet. Um, in the past, we've cooked it up here at camp, but um, last year, because it was just me that was left on leadership, um, and then again this year, there's not that many of us on leadership, um, we just made the decision to do the dinner in Sacramento. So mm -hmm. <laughs> we're going to celebrate on, by the river. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Good. Well, you deserve it, and you earned it, so yeah. enjoy it. I will. Thank you so much, Bob. Well, thank you for all you do. I know it's a, a, 
a lot of a lot of camp, ham, happy campers have got some great memories and uh, um, upward and onward next year. Yeah, exactly. Great. Thanks so much, Jennifer. God Thanks, bless. Bob. Yeah, take care. That's uh, Jennifer Campbell, who is the uh, director of Camp Pandola, and just uh, you can tell she loves she loves doing that stuff, and and that's that's no uh, that's no easy chore, being you know being sort of the the person if anything anything goes wrong, which it just doesn't. But uh, you know, I mean, always always being there, and always trying to plan activities that uh, are going to be enjoyable and. Uh, uh, meaningful, and uh, I just think it's wonderful that they had the priestly presence uh, throughout uh, camp. That, and, and thanks to the the four priests who uh, gave of their time to get up there and uh, and and participate in that as well. We'll take a quick break. Back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. Hi, this is Katie Prada, Executive Director of Catholic Schools for the Diocese of Sacramento, and you are listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, Katie, for that wonderful introduction, for all the great work you do with our great Catholic schools. With school's going to be starting in, uh, what, two, three weeks uh, now. We're uh, pleased to welcome in Deacon Kevin Staskow. Uh, Deacon, uh, September just around the corner, uh, it seems like it's, a, it's like a, a Super Bowl month in the Diocese <laughs> of Sacramento. A lot of things happen in September, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, so on fire. Yeah, we have on fire coming up. Um, on Fire this year is going to be, as it always is, at Six Flags, uh, Discovery Kingdom in Vallejo. Um, if you don't know about On Fire, it's really just a, f- um, a, a gathering day for Catholic youth and young adult groups. Right. So we advertise to all of the parishes. in. There's nine dioceses that co-sponsor it. So it's all the dioceses in Northern California and the Diocese of Reno. Right. And um, we advertise to all of the parishes and, and invite them to bring their youth groups as kind of a Northern California kickoff to right. youth and young adult ministry. So starts with mass in the morning. Um, this year, I think we have either three or four bishops. Uh, um, I don't know what's confirmed yet, but I know Bishop Soto will be there. Bishop, If you miss Bishop Cotta, he's going to be here oh, from Stockton. Uh, uh, Concelebrating uh, the mass with the bishop, and I know the bishop from Reno, Bishop Bishop Mugelborg, will be here mm-hmm. as well. And so, um, at least the three of them. Um, there may be others that that sign We're up. Put last the minute. diocese of Reno into California <laughs> eventually. <laughs> well, now they're their own archdiocese. They're part of the other archdiocese. So yeah. I, you know, whatever they're under that other archdiocese right. of, of, Las, of, of Las Vegas. Of Las Vegas. Right. So I don't think we'll get them. But I, at some the, point, I thought we would just. Yeah, you know, take Nevada into well, our diocese. The difference well. between northern Nevada and southern Nevada is dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, yeah, so it starts with mass in the morning with the bishops. There's a speaker. There's uh, we have our MC uh, this year is our the MC we have um, you know uh, almost every year. But he kind of gets everybody excited. We do we do we do mass together and there's a speaker and then the kids have a really fun day in the park all day including an all-you-can-eat lunch they can go on all the rides and everything in the evening we have a concert um uh, this year we have kind of the house band from uh ncyc so they had a big we had a big we had the national catholic youth conference come to california for the first time it was in long beach right and we have the band that was there um, they don't really have a name. It's a collection of different artists. They all have uh, music out. They're great. But so they'll all be with us. We have the same band, the house band from NCYC uh, uh, West West, I guess, the one right. that was down in Long Beach. It'll be they'll all be here for for our event. Um, and then uh, Maggie Craig will be our speaker. So um, uh, Maggie's just really great. We we kind of took a poll of young adults and a lot of them who had seen her. At dif- different other events, we're ex- super excited to have her here. So, we're going to have her as the speaker, and um, it should be a really um, exciting. There's a concert and a speaker, and then we have adoration at the end. Oh, very um, good. And then after the evening prayer service, we have um, two hours of exclusive ride time uh, in the park. So then uh, people can go and ride rides to their heart's content. So there's a um, 
it's exclusive in that only people who are there for the on fire event get to stay in the park. They close the right. park to everyone else, right. and everyone has to leave. And they open it's not the whole park, but they open all the big roller coasters and let us ride on the roller coasters and everything. So oh, it's, a, it's a great day. That's great because sometimes uh, when you if you just go to Six Flags to ride the rides, you may have some waiting to do <laughs> in some of those lines. Yeah, so that's what's so nice about the evening. Um, the the evening the exclusive evening ride time. The the other thing about on fire that people should know is this year we are putting together a youth choir for mass in the morning. So anybody who's a young person who would like to sing in that choir, they can register online. Uh, you still have to buy a ticket for the event, but we have a rehearsal the day before that you'll have to come to, and then you can be up on the stage with the bishops and the in front oh, of two thousand people, uh, you know, singing, being part of the who's being part of the, the choir. choir? Um, the actually that house band that's coming up oh, is going to come up the the day before, and so you'll be able to work with them here in um, here in the Sacramento area. Yeah, it'll yeah. be it'll be down in Vallejo. Uh, oh, it'll in be Vallejo, down, it'll be be in Vallejo. Yeah, the training will be in Vallejo. Okay, so we'll either do it at the park or we'll do it at one of the local parishes. So that's like Thomas Muglia, Dana Catherine, Ben Cortez, and Carla Carrillo, and so they were the. Those four were the house band. They're going to come early. They're going to work with the kids, so the kids will get to yeah. to know them and hang out with the stars, and then they get to do it. And then our MC, of course, is Joe Melendrez. Uh, he's been he's, our he's MC great. for about the five, last five or six years. We've had him on the program a number of times. He's just yeah, just on fire for Christ, yeah. and and the you know really gets gets everybody moving. Is he's a great MC. He's perfect for our event. So we're excited about that. So the tickets are on sale now. Um, onfirenorcal.com if you are if you, you know, need a ticket ahead of time they or? do yes you need to yep. buy the ticket ahead of time so um, you can buy it you can even buy it the night before online i would ask that you please please buy it earlier than that so we know how many people are coming um, but uh, you can you can go to onfirenorcal.com and buy your tickets um, there will be some tickets available at the door but they're more exp- they're like 15 or 20 dollars more expensive right. so um, you can also buy um, parking passes at a discount online if you buy them ahead of time. Uh, a tip is if you're going to buy tickets, buy them all together um, because every time you buy tickets, there's a you know a, a ten or fifteen dollars service charge per order. That's right. But it's for as many tickets as you buy. Right. So if you buy a hundred tickets, it costs you fifteen dollars service fee. If you buy five and then buy five later and five later, every time you order, right. you're going to pay another service fee of ten or fifteen dollars. And discount parking is important too because parking's expensive. Yeah, it and is. A, the yeah. uh, the meal, the all you can eat meal. The, the the just and nothing about six flags but amusement parks in general the the food costs are yeah. out of hand and so yeah. the uh, that included is is a yeah it's probably worth the price of admission yeah. it is it's it's a lot it's um it's it's great and again it's all you can eat it's um it's really good uh, it's like a picnic so yeah. anybody can you know you can come but anyway it should be a really great day um if you're a part of a, a a youth ministry or your family that has teenagers you're all welcome to come um it's it's geared for teenagers and young adults right um where we are um we are uh, tickets like as, as I said, tickets are on sale now. It's a great Catholic day in the park, right? Um, and and you provide your own transportation um, to the park. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yep. It's not a, a bus thing. I think maybe Reno. Some of those, some, some yeah, bring Reno yeah. brings several buses. There's a couple of parishes that bring buses, but primarily you drive yourself. And um, you know, you may want to check with your parish, and it'd be great if you know if, if you. Um, if you want to organize a trip and check, just take a, a car full of kids to yeah. the to the event. Um, it's a really good experience, and and it would be a good experience that, you know, kids could bring their friends and they would, you know, they would have a good time, right? It's not it, yeah. it's not it's not a retreat. It's you know it's it's a day at Six Flags, you know, with a few good speakers and yeah, you know, no, mass. That's and, a and great and idea to you idea, know, invi- yeah. invite. You know, if you've got a teenager or whatever, uh, have them invite their best friend. Yeah, that's a that's a great idea, and and carpooling is not only good for the environment; it's it's the cost of parking is yeah. it's, it's steep. Yeah, nowadays, yeah, yeah. everything's expensive. Everything's nowadays. expensive. You're right. Yeah, so carpool as as well. I I was in the park oh probably a month ago with uh, a daughter and a granddaughter, and oh my goodness, 
I did a lot of watching the rides. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> you didn't go on the Medusa? That's, oh, my, that's a good ride. Medusa well, and Joker are really good rides. They, they are. They, they, they would get off this ride. They'd be kind of staggering back to the park bench where I was sitting. <laughs> You know, go. Don't go on them after eating. For, <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to go swimming uh, smart. For, for an hour or something. Uh, don't go on a ride hour after until an hour after eating. Yeah. My favorite one is that. Is it a, the sky? I forget what it's called. It's the it's the big swing that goes way to the oh, top. Yeah. The sky. I don't know what it's called. I forget what it's yeah. called. Sky something, but it's like a swing. You're on this chain swing, and they put and you it, up. Like, and then you can goes, see every yep. panoramic view of the area. It's beautiful. It's fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's what's, so that's on fire. And then, you and that's know, the 16th of September, 16th, Saturday, the 16th of September. And then a week later on the 22nd and 23rd, um, we have ministry days. Right. Um, I wanted to let people know that on Friday of ministry days this year, we have a day for the school staff. And then we also have a day, a special retreat for parish staff. And right. so I'm trying to get... Uh, if, if any of you are parish staff members or if you um, if you know parish staff that maybe could need a retreat, right? Maybe they're a little grumpy and they need a retreat. We're going to be offering that retreat on Friday, um, the 22nd of September. Um, and we have an excellent lineup of speakers for that retreat. Um, Kat, this is all at St. Francis. Yeah, yeah, it's all at St. Francis. Um, you can find all the details at ministrydays.com. And the retreat is offered in both English and Spanish. So... Um, this is the same speakers in English and Spanish. They both are fluent, very fluent in both languages, and um, we're really looking forward to the day. The day for the parish staffs on Friday um, will just really kind of emphasize this idea that um, during the Eucharistic revival really challenges us to be more hospitable as parishes. Right. It challenges us to, um, you know, to try to connect the Eucharist to going out into the community and doing acts of charity. And it's also just a challenge to parish staffs from move, to move from uh, maintenance mode to mission mode. Mm -hmm. So this idea that we're supposed to be going out, we're supposed to be evangelizing everybody in the parish boundaries. Sometimes uh, when you've been on a parish staff for a while, it can feel like all I'm doing is just you know the same program over and over right. again every year. Um, this is going to challenge you to kind of think at think about your ministry differently. Um, and we're hoping that parish teams will come together, like the whole staff um, or all the ministry leaders of a parish will come together to experience this because what's going to come out of it is really good conversations and right. ideas and, uh, you know, dreaming about what, what could our parish be if we did things differently. Right. So it's a, it's a good way to kind of revive your staff members and come out, come out with some new ideas for, how we can revive our parish life uh, during this Eucharistic revival year. How long have we been doing ministry days? Oh, ministry days, it used to be mustard seed or something, mm -hmm. so that it's it's been going on for a really long time. So, I mean, when I I started I started calling it ministry days, I think in 09 or mm -hmm. 2010, um, when I, um, uh, it was like 10, I think it was, it may have been, it may have been 10 or 11 when it became ministry days, we, we, we expanded it to two, two days, days yeah. and we, and we, um, we inherited, we had the school, primarily schools and people who were available on Friday and right. then it was Saturday. But before it started out primarily ministry day, this, or, or used to be catech, catechist day. And before that it was called mustard seed, but it was just a day of formation for oh. catechists. And what we have done over the years is invited all ministry leaders to come um, you know, more like L.A. Congress, right? right? L.A. Congress is for everyone, anybody in ministry, right? And so we've been trying to expand our event to, you know, we're still primarily catechists, but we have workshops in every ministry area. There's really good workshops in family life and respect life, and lay formation, and catechesis, family faith formation, youth ministry, young adult ministry, a um, lot of different ministries, liturgy. We have several liturgy workshops this year. I remember so. speaking about domestic wor workshop, and there was there were people from Wairika in my little session. Yeah, you know, well, three hundred. Well, miles. we're having more people come down from the north. Um, you know, we're still considering. We've done it in the past where we've done a little mini 
ministry days in the north, basically taken our staff from the center here and gone up there and brought a couple of, brought a couple of keynote speakers, uh-huh. one in English, one in Spanish. And then we've done the workshops and they've done a keynote. So we're talking about possibly doing that. But right now our, our goal is to try to get more people from the north to come down, right. um, work on helping sponsor buses from the north perhaps to get people down. But that will be at uh, St. Francis on the 22nd and 23rd of September. Um, that both both of these events on fire norcal.com for on fire you can get your tickets there they're for sale already and for ministry days it's ministrydays.com and it's uh, those tickets are available as well you can register right away that includes lunch includes lunch yep Yep. includes lunch and it um if you you can register now the price goes up as you get closer to the event um, but you can check all that out, out on the website. Um, it would be a great thing if you're part of a ministry and you have a leadership team for your leadership t- team to go together. You can attend different workshops. You can share what you learn. You can have lunch together. There's Mass with the Bishop. Saturday is a Friday is the, um, is the uh, staff uh, retreat for right. parish staffs and parish leaders. Saturday is um, just workshops. There's I think 30 workshops in English and 30 workshops in Spanish. And those are available now online, I believe. What, what are the, available? The, the list of the workshops. Oh, yes, they yeah. are. They're all available online, ministrydays.com, so you all can the workshops. That, you can look that over um, and pick out. How, how many workshops can someone attend? They can they can attend two. Two uh-huh. workshops uh, and, and a keynote speaker and, and the mass and right. lunch. Yeah. And I see our friend Armando Cervantes is coming. Yes, he is. County. He'll be there on he'll be there on Friday to help us out with our ministry days um, retreat for parish staffs and ministry teams. And, and uh, Catherine Angulo. Yep, Catherine Angulo will be there on Friday um, for the for the parish retreat, and then she's also the keynote speaker on Saturday in both English and Spanish. And then uh, Father uh, Agostino Torres. Yeah, and Father Agostino is uh, you know he's he's a Franciscan father of the mm-hmm. renewal. Um, he does a lot of um, speaking at youth conferences, and he's going to be talking to us. He's going to be our speaker on hospitality. Like, what is the connection between hospitality and welcome in the Eucharist, and how do we become, um, how do we allow the Eucharist to really open us up um, to other people, right? Um, uh, you know, the bishop bishop asked us to use the story of Zacchaeus, right? That, uh, um, Jesus says, uh, "I must, uh, Zacchaeus, I must come to your house." So. It's a radical hospitality of um, coming to us. Uh, Jesus comes to us. Um, are we welcoming him, him in, and are we welcoming others in the same way? So the, and the theme is real presence, real life. Yeah, real presence, real life, and then there's a sub-theme uh, with, uh, with, with open hands. Yeah, well, yeah t- today, today <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm not sure, uh, Jesus, where where we, we're going to put you. Maybe on the couch, <laughs> but you, you'll you'll have a TV. Yeah, there you go. There <laughs> yeah, you go. that would that would be quite the knock on the door, wouldn't it? Yeah, oh, it sure would be. Sure yeah. would be. Yeah, you know, and then they, they always say that. I mean, there's those songs. I don't know what's on, what if Jesus came back like that. Remember that song about yeah. you know, yeah. where is Jesus? He's in. You know, you never know where you he's going to come back. Right? You never know. Yeah. So, Eucharistic revival. How's that going? Um, I think it's going good. You know, it's 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 in the parish's hands now. You know, I try mm-hmm. to tell people that, like each each pastor and each parish council should be really spending time. I mean, I think the bishop had asked all the parishes and the deaneries to really reflect on the meaning of the Eucharist and maybe do some, uh, you know, kind of a synodal or a listening process with their people to say, you know, what is your experience of Eucharist? Why is it why is it important to you? And let whatever you decide to do in your parish, come out of those conversations, right? And so, uh, you know, I, I really emphasized with the Eucharist revival that it's really, I mean, when you come down to the core of it, it's really about the Mass, right? Are we doing a good catechesis about the Mass? Are we welcoming people to Mass? One of the homilies I gave was just like, you know, hey, what can you do for the Eucharistic revival? When's the last time you invited somebody who doesn't already go to Mass mm-hmm. to come to Mass with you, right? And why don't we invite them, Right. right. If the Eucharist is really the source and summit of our faith, if it's really, you know, uh, if that real presence is really important, then why aren't we inviting everyone we know to come? You know, even the parents from the soccer team who aren't sure. Catholic, right? Sure. Why aren't we inviting them, right? Why, why aren't we inviting them there? And so part of that is helping people understand 
why you know why the mass is so important and i also think you know the moment of the mass that i think we you know we we always emphasize um you know the miracle of the bread and wine being transformed into the body and blood of jesus well the real miracle of the mass it seems to me is when we receive that yeah, body right, and blood right. and we become christ and christ is inside of us right. right do we really stop and meditate on that reality right the miracle of us that Really, in some ways, the the um, the species of the mass, mm-hmm. right? It's not the, it's the bread and the wine, but it's also us, right? right. Like we are being transformed, sure. right? And if we leave that uh, that mass and we are not transformed in some way, then you know why not, right? Well, you know, again, so leading people to an understanding and a, a true meditation on what that means and what that calls us to after mass right when the deacon gets to say go forth right get right. out of here right you, you right know, the um we had a speaker uh, all the deacons and priests had a speaker on on the mass on the kind of the, the the rubrics of the mass the the germ the general instruction on the roman missal which tells you like what you do you know the ritual we're supposed to stick to that right and he talked about the 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 sending right so when mm-hmm. the when the deacon says you know, the Mass is ended, go in peace, or the deacon says, you know, go and announce the gospel of the Lord, right? That really should be the end, right? And we should right. march out of the church into the world to do our work, right? right? So really the closing song is a distraction from that, yeah. Because yeah. right? we have the, the habit, we have the um, the, the feeling in, in our church where, you know, you need to sit there, if you're a good Catholic, you sit there till the end of the song. Exactly. And then you get to applause, right? right? Everybody right. applause, right? And he was just trying to say, like, well, that's actually wrong, right? Like, like you should be anxious to leave, right? Like, if anything, the closing song should be a march, you know, with yeah, no that, words that, you know, get out and get do out it, and do get it. out and do it. Right. So and and that idea that this Eucharist should empower, transform, um, you know, inspire us to go out and make that word that you heard at the beginning of Mass alive. Right. The the homily that was explained to you, go out and bring that to life yeah. uh, through being part of the body of Christ. It's like, right? it's like that word commencement. You're. Yeah. This isn't the end; it's the start. Yeah, yeah. and I, and I think that um, you know we can get all caught up in all of this stuff, but I think for the for the for the average Catholic, it's it's how do we how do we catechize them better about the mass? How do we teach right. them? Here's what the church teachings are on the mass. How do we help them to stop and kind of really reflect on what they're receiving? And how do we connect the works of the church with the sacramental life of the church? Mm-hmm. Right? They're one and the same, but we, sometimes we treat them like they're different. Like the, yeah. One speaker I heard was saying, "The you know uh, we have two kinds of ministries in the parish. Some of the ministries are really focused on like the Eucharist and and the real presence and 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 prayer, and some are really focused on doing good works like feeding right. the poor or right. or you know um, helping the moms in need or whatever." A lot of times, those are not the same people, and they don't necessarily see the value. You know, right. this group is saying, "Why is that group sitting in the church praying all the time?" And this group is saying, "Why are they? How come they are never in front of the Blessed Sacrament?" Right. right. So, this idea, if we can help people in our parishes see the connection between the two, exactly. and and that it's all rooted in the miracle of the Mass itself. Right. right? You know what I mean? I think we are, in some ways, with our young people, with if we overemphasize. Um, adoration and it's not connected to mass you're going to have a generation of people that go to adoration but never go to mass and never actually receive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the blessed sacrament we always have we all we all already have the problem in our um, ethnic communities where some of the people in the ethnic communities never receive they're always worried i might have sinned on my way to church yeah, I, uh, you know even though i received you know so that they refuse to receive it right so they're not receiving it you know and so it's that idea of um Helping, helping people to understand, um, you know, why it's so important to receive the Eucharist and go to Mass, even if it's not as exciting as the youth group adoration, right? Even if it's, you know what I mean? It's that, yeah. that idea of, like, uh, that, that being really, really important and really s- central to our faith, central, right? absolutely. And so it's, it's if, we can, if we can do better catechesis on that or do, you know, again, I, I'm not saying we haven't done better, good catechesis on it, but some more intentional catechesis— you know, the, the bishop doesn't 
necessarily like teaching masses, but there there's a way that if there's a way we can go through, maybe it's not in a mass, but if we can go through the parts of the mass and have time to to question and reflect and and talk about it, so that people understand the whole ritual of the liturgy and 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 understand. Uh, the sacrifice of the Mass and how important that is I've to I've been us. very fortunate here, and I hope our listeners as well, to have Deacon Greg uh, McAvoy Jensen uh, in about a, a four or five-part series uh, take us through oh, beautiful. start to finish or start to commencement. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh, really, really valuable stuff. Yeah. Um, and not just what we do, but why we do it. And, and uh, yeah. it's very very good stuff it was in the last month or so but uh, it's on it's on the website you can yeah we archive great. it so uh you can learn all about the different parts of the mass ah, that's great yeah people should i mean that would be a great thing to do i mean if you can only do that for the the eucharistic revival year and really listen to those and talk about it you know maybe listen to it with someone else and have a discussion about that i think the other piece is just um we don't share our faith. We don't witness to our faith enough. So that idea of like, you know, what we need is people to witness what the Eucharist means to them, right? Just honestly, here's what the Eucharist means to me, right? Yeah. Uh, let me let me let me share that with you. Why why is it important, right? What what does it mean to me, right? How has it, you know, inspired me or or affected my faith life, right? I don't think we hear those stories enough either. No, right? I know in the 24 years we've been doing the Bishop's Hour, I've had a number of converts on for a variety of reasons and and when you ask them what uh, what led to your conversion or what you know what and invariably not always but most of the time they'll say the eucharist well you know you guys have the eucharist and um and you really believe it you know i mean that this is the body and blood of christ that 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 was sort of what brought them over yeah that's great so, so I just think that you know that 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 um, parishes are going to do various things, um, but that's what I've tried to emphasize. We try to emphasize like you know, get the families coming to mass together, do some do some intentional catechesis on the mass. Try to get them to meditate on the miracle of the mass in the in the transformation of the body, the transubstantiation of the body and. Uh, the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ, but also in our transformation through receiving Christ in the Eucharist, and that we don't want to lose that piece, that it's it's important to receive communion and become the body of Christ together. Yeah, I tell my kids, I say, faith is a verb. It means you're supposed to go out and do act. You get out there and do works, yeah. you know. Well, and it's so hard, I think. I think it's uh, it's it's... We are, um, when the social justice works of the church are done by a committee yeah. and not by everyone, there's a problem, yeah, right? I mean, that's right. And I'd say the same thing about the pro-life work, right? right? I think the pro-life committees in our parishes do wonderful works, but unless the entire parish is doing the pro-life work, yep. it doesn't, it doesn't really, it's not really, yeah. it's not really right, right? right? It should be part of what every Catholic does. It shouldn't be just like, you know, given off to a few people. No, it's exactly it's right. kind of like, you know... Uh, Father Michael Sweeney, who who leads the or, or or came up with the Lay Mission Project, and the, and the, and we've sent a lot of people to that uh, that ministry. He always says, you know, it's the job of the lay people to evangelize their workplace and their family, right, right. and the and the community, right. That really isn't the priest's job, right? Yeah, so, right. so if you as a lay person go to the priest and say, "How do I evangelize my family?" The priest's proper response is, "How the heck am I supposed to know?" Yeah. That's not my job. Right. That's your job. Right. Right. Like, and, and and this idea that we're all, you know, we're all in this together, and we need to, you know, we need to take, you know, we need to take our part in doing that. You know, it's really important. Deacon Kevin, uh, you you came out with a, a short statement on Newman. The Newman Connection, and uh, as uh, people are about maybe to send their high school seniors off to their becoming college freshmen, um, tell us a little bit about the, the Newman and uh, the Newman Centers uh, in the diocese. Um, we have three Newman Centers in the Diocese of Sacramento, uh, Chico, Sacramento, and Davis. Um, they've been operating for a number of years. Um, the bishop, um, I think, I guess it's been seven, almost seven years uh, ago now, 
um, decided that we would try to really focus those on the needs of college students and on college student ministry. Mm -hmm. And we've kind of, um, we've invested a lot of resources into trying to make those really good places for young people to go and practice their faith within the college community. And so, um, but there are Newman centers at public universities all over the United States and the Newman Connection Ministry tries to connect high school seniors to Newman centers right. so that when they get to the college, the Newman centers can reach out to them. So um, when you do have a senior in high school who's a, a grandchild or a child or a great-grandchild, then you know that they're going to be going to a certain university. You can register them on the Newman Connection site. And then they will send the, um, you can register them on the Newman Connection site, and then they will um, uh, send their information to the campus ministry team at that college, college yeah. um, and they will reach out to them. That's of great. course, it's, you know, it they, they can choose to participate or not, but it's a good way to, you know, get them connected. They might not even the know it's there otherwise. Yeah, and the Newman Center's. They typically offer mass on Sunday. They usually offer at least one night of, uh, like a like a, a program one night a week. Uh, the usually called a Newman night. Right. Um, many of them have other groups. They have prayer groups. They have men's groups, women's groups. You know, uh, pro life groups. All kinds of different groups right. that meet at the Newman Center. So, and there's also um, you know things like alternative spring break, and they do they do trips and they do retreats. Our Newman centers are really big on retreats in our yeah. diocese, so they do fall and spring retreats, and then each of the small groups—the men group, the women's group, the other, the other ethnic—they uh, have some ethnic ministries. They all do their own separate retreats. So right. uh, retreats are a big part of the ministry as well. Yeah, and uh, of those three, I, one one of my daughters who's involved in the Davis Newman Center has pointed out that the Chico Newman Center has a swimming pool. Yeah. <laughs> Has a swimming pool, and they fought to keep that swimming pool. Yeah, that's what we I heard. keep trying to fill the pool in, but they it's still there. We did have a we did have a woman who came by the pastoral center one day and just t- told 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 us is that pool still there? Because yeah. I spent my undergraduate oh, years yeah. sunbathing next to that pool, yeah. and that's probably why I'm still Catholic today. So I said, well, the pool evangelized at least one woman. This is great, yeah. you know, it's great. Yeah. Anyway. Well, and, and all three Newman centers are are just. Literally right across the street, if you will, from from the campuses. Yeah, we're really blessed to have really good properties that are yep. close to the campuses. That's not true at all college campuses. Sometimes you have to yeah. walk several blocks to get to the right. Newman Center. But uh, we've owned those properties for a, a long, a long time. time. And so we've been able to really, you know, really, really do good ministry. And, and I think the ministry will continue uh, continue to grow. And it's certainly a priority of the bishops. It's great. Yeah, the, the Davis Newman Center is the site of the former St. James Church. Where you were baptized. Yes, Bob, we know that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised you're still supporting it since we took your church and turned it into a Newman Center. Yeah, no. (laughs) I I went to that Newman Center in college. Let's see, there you go. Unfortunately, the the bricks are not... Real yeah, well, we're the, the city of Davis has taken three years to figure out if it's historically significant Historical. or not. They haven't decided, so we can't <laughs> do anything. So right now that building, right now the old church is condemned and we can't use it for anything. So it's just sitting there and we're trying to retrofit it. That's what we'd like to do in the meantime before we a beautiful do major renovation. Yeah. 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 So anyway, someday, someday we'll be able to rebuild it. Yeah. Well, anyway. did, I, did we did we cover everything you wanted to talk about? I think so. I think we're I think we're good at this point. Thank you for your time and thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for uh, you're in Gabe's ministry to our diocese for so many years. It's just it's, a blessing. I mean, it's a blessing to me. You've I'll been longer. You. I, I've been here 15 years. I thought that was a long time, <laughs> but then I think about oh, there's that Bob Dunning guy. He's been here a lot longer than that. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, this is my fifth year. I'm celebrating my last month. I celebrated my fifth year as a, a deacon. Oh, and uh, 15, wow. 15 years uh, as a diocesan employee. I started out with youth and young adult ministry, and now I do youth and young adult ministry and family and faith formation. So what, been what brought you to Sacramento in the first place? Oh, I mean, you're a wanted, Bay Area yeah, kid. Yeah, we were in, we were, we were, I, I had moved to, I was, I grew up in the Diocese of Oakland, spent my whole life there. And then um, right before, about six months before I got married, I got a job in uh, Redwood City. Um, and I, 
I just wanted to be closer to my fiance. So she was in a, she was at Our Lady of Mount Carmel and I was at uh, St. Pius in Redwood City wow. in the San Francisco Archdiocese. Right. And so we, we were there. And then after we got married and had the twins, we were living in like a two bedroom apartment in Redwood City mm-hmm. looking to buy a house, but we could never afford it there. So we were able to move to Roseville and get a house for you know less than half. I think it was oh, like forty yeah. percent of what we could have gotten. You know, forty percent of the price of what we could have gotten something for and a bigger in house Redwood City <laughs> and bigger house and brand new, right? Yeah. So that's what we moved into new construction in Roseville then in two thousand eight, and we've been there ever since. So wow. we're still here. So oh, we're it's glad great you're here. It's been beautiful. It's been a great. It's been such a blessing. Diocese of Sacramento has been, you know, just so so good to us and just really good for our ministry and our life. And my wife uh, is the, is my wife, Paula is the um, director of uh, St. Clair church in, in Roseville. Yeah. Does great work there. Yeah. Thank you. Deacon Kevin, thanks so much for all you do. And we'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Okay. Sure. Thanks. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless.